0: Project Lawful, a.k.a. Plane Crash, by Yarwain, a.k.a. Eliezer Yudkowski, and Lintamande. Thread 1, Mad Investor Chaos, and the Woman of Asmodeus. Episode 65. Keltham finishes letting Carissa out of her chains, and falls back into bed beside her. He feels like he's starting to get the hang of this whole just-doing-what-I-want-in-the-cuddle-room concept. It's strange and alien, and he can still feel unworn sharp edges of his own? Reactions jolting him each time he moves, but he is generalizing quickly, and mental motions are transitioning from unfamiliar to familiar. Just do what I actually want in the cuddle room is not actually that complicated of an idea. And if Carissa can't easily have standard pleasure goals completed for her, then he may as well do what he wants and let her enjoy that without other pressures. Maybe that's why the Ero-LARP gave her that exact sex problem in the first place, look. He just had a really pleasant, trope-free interaction, and it is possible there are not, in fact, any tropes. Okay? His brain occasionally pokes him and says that he should do something nice for Carissa now. Give her something that she wants. Keltham has to remind his brain that Carissa is probably not feeling him to be net in debt to her right now even if, perhaps, the various things he's finished doing for her are things that would not have made sense to Keltham as gifts to himself. Also, he doesn't have 600 GP in hand, and also, also, he doesn't really know how to buy things yet. Eh, he'll just say it. "'I feel warm and fuzzy things towards you, and want to do something nice for you,' Keltham murmurs. "'Even though I don't have anything specific in mind,' Yes, I realize that I've done some fairly nice things for you today already. My brain keeps feeling it anyways.
1: Carissa rolls over and leans into him, hiding a smile but incredibly incompetently. I like spell silver and rare books of ancient magic and wearing things, having things that tell people I'm important. If you ever want a collar, I want it to be visibly absurdly expensive.
0: Shorter term, I was thinking... I may not be set up to do those other things for like a whole nother week or possibly even longer.
1: Hmm. Don't know what nice things I want right this minute that I don't already have, aside from your shirt.
0: If you are very, very confident of your ability to return it completely intact, you can borrow it for an hour. I want to note for the record that I'm trusting you a lot here, far more than any way in which you've ever trusted me over the last few hours.
1: She sits up, more serious. I promise that I have no plans that should endanger it, wholly expect I can bring it back intact, and wholly expect mending to work normally to perfect it if anything happens to it. Not that we should test that. I'd just want to walk around a little in it, make an evening report to the project manager, add in a couple more requests for the relocation. Maybe try to learn anything at all about what the Queen of Cheliacs likes in bed. I'm still mystified about how you possibly... Also, give an actual careful read to the contract she just signed, just in case.
0: Isidri claims that Abigail's a sadist, has a known type, you're it, looked interested while reading reports about you. Basic window of opportunity and suggestion to rent you at all was Isidri. Tactics, setup, and the terms and conditions were all me.
1: Kiss. I'm terrified. You did wonderfully. She's gonna not push further on the shirt thing. She doesn't want to seem obsessive.
0: Don't know if it's a good time for it, but want to put a pin in it before I forget, because I don't have a good task management system right now. There's a rumor the Queen of Cheliax is already sleeping with you. This now being a completely safe fact to tell to Carissa if he has understood any of this at all. And Isidre was worried I would think that the rumor impinged on my own reputation or your own value, independently of the actual truth of that rumor, and I was like, what? And Isidre was, yeah, ask Sever about that. Oh, uh, to be explicit, you walking around in my shirt for an hour is fine.
1: Uh... Ah! Uh, you just can't follow the logic of why you'd be insulted that there was a rumor like that? No one in Dothilan would be insulted? If you imagine instead of the queen it's some random other person, then would Dothilani people be insulted?
0: So, like... The nearest thing to that I can figure in Dathilon is, you've agreed on monogamy with somebody, your friends know you're monogamous, you tell them you super-trust her and she doesn't seem at all like the kind of complete crazy person who will secretly violate an agreement like that instead of just terminating it, explicitly like a sane person. Then a somehow credible rumor starts that she fucked somebody else, who presumably didn't know about the monogamy agreement. Somehow, this rumor is exactly credible enough as evidence that it balances the improbability of violating an agreement like that. Your friends are like, well, gosh, in the possible world where that's true, you sure did fail to detect a crazy person. Then they don't co-found a startup with you where you manage hiring, until that gets resolved. So, by this incredibly circuitous route, it is possible for an unverified story that somebody who is not me "'fucked somebody else who is not me, "'to impinge on my own reputation "'for being competent or trustworthy at something. "'This, I conjecture, is not even remotely "'what is going on in Galarian, "'not least because I get the implicit sense "'that the rumor was supposed to be damaging "'independently of the state of evidence behind it. "'He really needs to explain law of probability "'so these words will mean any
1: "'Indeed not.' So one thing is that, in general, a girl who is more selective is more impressive to have caught, right? So if your girl is sleeping with lots of people, or thought to be, then it's less to your credit that she's sleeping with you.
0: So, first, I agree that a woman with known higher standards will impress your friends more if she selects you. I can't figure out the steps after that. Now, I already realize that this is not going to be how it works in Galarian. But in the non-monogamy mating market of Dathilan, the number of men a woman is simultaneously dating is determined by her aero-regeneration rate. How many times per month she wants to have sex, divided by the number of times per month she wants to have sex with any one man. The quality of the men she fucks would be mainly determined by her own desirability on the informal mating market. What qualities she has that are in high demand and low supply, that sort of thing. The main correlation pathway would be if more men wanted to heavily date a low-supply monogamous version of her than to shallowly date a high-supply non-monogamous version of her. In which case, being non-monogamous would lower her mating market value, but it's not obvious to me that this is how things work, particularly. Like, why can't you just have a woman with high standards who is herself desirable enough that she catches lots of people who meet her standards? See also heiress to the dark unilateral ruler and her harem of four men with different economic magic powers. If you're number five, you're probably pretty cool.
1: Do people on dath think of themselves as having a specific number of times per month they want to have sex? Probably not the main point. Uh... On Galarion, even if there's not a monogamy agreement, it's some evidence you are dissatisfied with your existing relationships if you're shopping around, so it speaks somewhat negatively of your existing partners. Also, on Galarion, women are generally assumed to be bottlenecked on people who meet their standards. So if they have a lot of sex, they probably have low standards, though less applicable if one is rumored to be sleeping with the queen in particular.
0: So, I mean... There's this obviously incredibly naive version of this, where a woman dates literally every possible man who meets her standards, and therefore her dating more people is evidence of lower standards. But first of all, I don't see how that ends up being true in real life, because the available population size wouldn't exactly balance tiny villages. Right. Um... Okay, but then how does that make any sense about a rumor that you are fucking the very busy and picky Queen of Celiacs? How is that not a case of, hey, you know who I'm fucking? Carissa Sever. And you know who else she's fucking? Abigail Thrun. Why, yes, that does validate my hotness. You should date me, too. Assuming that claim is credible, which all of the mechanisms here go through the degree to which the rumor is credible and not the mere existence of a rumor, so I can tell I am still very confused here.
1: Yes, I agree that this particular rumor does less than most to compromise my presumed value, but, uh, in general, in terms of the things that people learn and the things they'll automatically on a first pass find—disgusting or pathetic or contemptible—before they even think about it. Women who have lots of sex are disgusting and pathetic and contemptible, and if people are rumoring that about your girlfriend, it's an insult—
0: Suppose I pass temporarily on the question of why what, huh, to ask about how it's an insult to me rather than her, and why it's an insult independently of the quantitative credibility.
1: Well, it's an insult to her also, but that's an insult to you because you're dating her. It's saying that something you have is less valuable, and, if people are repeating it, then they're—shoot. How to explain this without explaining that people aren't deciding what's true, they're deciding what they're allowed to believe. But of course, there are rumors in Taldor. Deciding to share information they think might not be true, but which would reflect badly on you if it was, is something people are more likely to do if they don't like you or want to bring you down a peg.
0: Do most people in Golarion just not have the idea that things you say are supposed to be things you believe and that things you believe are supposed to be true? Why would words go on meaning things? Why wouldn't people just walk off cliffs?
1: Not for rumors. They don't have that. For rumors you say them because they're funny or because you want to make other people look better or worse. I'm honestly not sure whether they have the idea in general. Wizards do have the idea in general and still indulge in rumors, They don't walk off cliffs because they know what's actually true about some things, things they need to succeed at to keep eating, or to not fall off cliffs.
0: So I can feel the shape of the piece of knowledge I'm missing, and it's something about how the local equilibrium is able to look like one person lying and the other person not knowing whether this is a lying situation, and that equilibrium holds up over time and doesn't collapse into every occasion, being either a known lying occasion where communication is impossible or a known truth occasion, and this will turn out to require that people not be ideal agents in some key way, and I don't know where and what exactly that key way is. Maybe I'm just being lazy here, because it's frankly gone late, but I feel like this is maybe a lecturing to the class situation, and then you or somebody will know how to speak my language about this and can tell me the exact thing I need to know about Galarian.
1: That sounds like a good lecture to the class. I don't know now what the missing piece is, unless it's something obvious like that lying is a skill and so is noticing lies, so it's not worth lying if people will notice, and it's worth getting good at noticing and getting good at lying. But that doesn't actually explain rumors, which are a sort of game, really. I'll think on it.
0: Keltham yawns. He's had a busy day, and unlike some other people, no nap. If you need me to give you permission to go, by the way, you have it, to be explicit about that. I'll probably sleep soon. No weird spells this time. Oh, uh, if you're stealing my shirt, please tell them to send me in a small meal for dinner, since I'd rather not go out without a shirt, and I don't have any other clothing. The thought of borrowing one of Carissa's shirts doesn't particularly occur to him, not so much because of gender tropes, but because why would that like work? He's still a bit mystified about her wanting to wear a Keltham-shaped shirt.
1: I'll tell them. And she puts on his shirt, which doesn't fit perfectly, of course, but the ways in which it fails to fit are precisely the desired ones, the cut that isn't meant for breasts, rather drawing attention to them, and she beams at Keltham and heads out.
0: He'll read more of the weird history books and await his dinner.
1: She orders his dinner sent and then trots over to where she last saw Mayol for a check-in.
0: People are looking
2: at her with an unusual amount of respect, fear, or, if they're powerful enough themselves, like a sixth-circle priest of Asmodeus, maybe curiosity or wariness instead of fear. It's not easy to tell because Kelly acts. Nobody's giving her looks that are not respectful, though. That difference is definitely noticeable.
1: It's a very good shirt, but that's more of an effect than she'd have expected from it. She
3: looks for Maliol. He's here. He wishes he wasn't. But he's a professional about that. Not every day in Asmodeus's tyranny is a good one, even in the inner ring. And if you can't be professional about that, you'll soon be very low on the ladder indeed. Would it actually be that terrible if the new fortress got a Sixth Circle priest in charge and Mayol was their subordinate and only was responsible about vision things?
1: I'd like to see the contract I signed earlier. I don't suppose there are any procedures for signing things in character in a way that doesn't, you know, maybe ruin a couple million years of my
3: eternity? Contract? If this is a sufficiently recent event, I will not have worked my way to it in the stack. He's not as completely on top of things as he was a day ago before the Nadal attack. He does manage to notice she's wearing Keltham's shirt. This is not relevant to anything except to give her minus two points for unprofessionalism, which he doesn't have the energy to comment out loud.
1: That's weird. Contessa Lurilatha wrote, For Keltham, a contract obliging Cheliacs to force me to have an abortion if he gets me pregnant and I'm being difficult a major step forward which I'm very proud of and which involved me signing whatever she wrote with about 45 seconds of reading, and I'm curious if I've also sold off my firstborn.
3: Mayol experiences a rare bit of theological uncertainty, which he'd maybe be able to resolve faster if his mind were working faster. He's not sure if that's supposed to be contemptible of Sever for not figuring some way out, or if that makes her a true and heroic servant of Asmodeus who knew the sacrifice she had to make. "'I'll file a request to get you a copy,' he says wearily. "'He can't actually afford to offend Sevar.' She picked up some of his own backlog earlier. "'You can also write the request and I'll sign it if you want it to go out earlier. "'This is inner ring-speak, for I acknowledge you did some of my work earlier.' you get to exercise some of my power under my supervision of course to encourage you to go on doing it dangerous sort of thing to indicate in the inner ring but it would in fact at least for now be helpful to make more use of sevar if she can decode the message at all
1: she gets that there's something she's being asked to get which is dangerous if you aren't precisely sure you've translated it correctly but it's not a hostile move because it was an offer I'll write it, she says coolly, her face neutral. I'd like it to come in before I return to Keltham. She puzzles the rest of it out while she writes. Non-hostile and, in fact, very slightly generous. Her getting something she wants and doesn't really strictly need, faster. Does he want to be owed a favor? No, she's owed one. For doing the project work earlier, even though she did that for the project, not for him, Well, obviously they're not doing anything out of generosity for each other, but she was a more useful project collaborator, and so a minor benefit from it. Why tell her she can write it herself rather than that he'll write it at the top of the queue for her? He can't be that tired. Maybe something in the genre of the reward for a job well done is more of a job. You want to do some of my work, you may do it for your benefit. Yep, that feels closer to right. Contessa Lurilatha, addressed with appropriate courtesy, has a copy of a contract she wrote, and to which Sevar has placed her signature in the course of Sevar's work on Project Lawful. Sevar requires it so that she knows to what she has bound herself. If she is expected to have difficulty noticing it, key bits could be underlined. I don't know if you got to this in your stack yet, she says, handing it to Mayol. But I did not intend to make Contessa Lurilatha and Gorthaclec and the Grand High Priestess and her Imperial Majesty all wait for me, understand my error, and if there's not a punishment code in there, already will expect one from the Queen when Keltham hands me over. Other than that, the meeting went well.
3: Some of his spite for her not saving him his own errors dissipates, maybe, a little. Yeah, she also done fucked up and her life won't be pleasant. It may plausibly be worse than his. No punishment code. I expect the queen plans to take it out on you personally, so long as you're there.
1: That's what I assumed, says Carissa, aiming for, not cheerfulness. Then they'd just think she was naive, but a sort of calm acceptance that she doesn't really feel. Mile, Yol, when he angered that same group of people... Came back worse. There's not actually a way around that conclusion. He is worse. That's not how punishment is supposed to work, but evidently it is in the range of mistakes that Cheliax is capable of making. And she can't afford to get worse. She needs to get stronger as quickly as possible. Maybe she can propose to the Queen that she be sent to hell for however long it's going to need to be. Cheliax has a lot of diamonds now. I was told to expect Asmodia's return this evening. Is she back?
3: He did make it that far. Should be. They'd put her with Pilar Pineda, I expect. Room 4. 14. Unless somebody's decided that all of Keltham's girls get their own individual guest rooms in the Imperial Palace. He snorts to make it clear that he doesn't particularly expect this to be the case.
1: She'd make a joke back, but they're not actually friends. Instead, she smiles at his to communicate that it wasn't out of line. Understood, and off she goes. When Asmodia's
4: soul hears the call, she's sitting by a stream and letting the water just wash over her toes. She hasn't eaten, she doesn't need to, and that fact itself seems worth enjoying in its own way. She did try wandering the gardens to see if there was anybody interesting to talk to, but she can't really here understand the conversations here they are not conversations permitted to be understood by those who might be fated to return nothing much at all has happened to asmodia in the last few hours by hell's standards and of the two events that did happen to her neither were awful well she doesn't know who owns her soul anymore that's a little unnerving but also it shouldn't matter right? if she can figure out what she needs to do to buy an eternity of this, and do it. Or if whoever cares about her goes on caring. Asmodea feels stronger now, knowing that good things can ever happen to her, and that someone somewhere might even care. Maybe the 100 years aren't a threat. A week would be a threat. 100 years could just be a message. Go back, you still have something to do, please. I lent you a hand, lend me one too. She's not looking forwards to Cheliax. It's too much like hell. But she'll face it, for that. Whether she's buying her eternal peace from a broker or just paying back somebody who cares. I wish I could stay. Asmodea breathes. And does not stay. But lets herself go.
5: Elias Abarco is one of fairly few people authorized to read Asmodia's mind when she comes back. That's half the problem, right? All these people hear that they're not authorized to mind-read the Project Lawful Girls, or to punish them, or even to smack fucking Pilar in her fucking face when she offers then-cake so then things grow out of all proportion and they think the girls are something special. People are sneakily lingering around where the resurrections are happening, hoping to get a glimpse of Asmodia. Haven't they got something better to do with their time than drool over a bunch of half-witted wizard children that were meant to just be a nice welcoming present for Keltham? And which ideally would all be chained up in his room right now, whatever. He tells them they can stay if they go invisible, because obviously he's not going to ask her any secret questions aloud, And if they want to gawk at this completely normal teenager and owe him a favor for it afterwards, why not? And a cleric resurrects Asmodia.
4: Asmodia: Someone somewhere. Yarwain. And Asmodia opens her eyes in chiliacs: A Barco. Why did it have to be a Barco? He's scary. No, she can do this. She has a reason to go on. Asmodia reporting for duty. She says she's not actually sure of what the protocol for coming back might be. She wasn't previously the sort of person who could expect to be brought back. Wait, should she be faking being much more traumatized? Bursting into tears of relief from not being in hell anymore? This whole thing is supposed to be a secret. Oh well. Too late now. Should have thought it through earlier.
5: Hope you had fun, he says dryly. He casts Detect Thoughts and reads her mind. A cleric taps her with restoration.
4: Asmodia's thoughts are touching upon the gardens of the goddess Aracura and her secret stay there. Those thoughts cannot be read by the likes of Elias Abarco, nor, indeed, any mortal nor most immortals that walk the face of Golarion. Thank you for your good wishes, sir, Asmodea says evenly. She is not sure what response Abarco is looking for, but that could be something she would say if she was showing him that he'd hurt her, right? Is that the right thing to say?
5: Wait, what the fuck? He kicks her in the ribs. Did you just attempt to save against Detect Thoughts? That's six kinds of illegal. You're lucky I can cast it again and we don't need to haul Mayall in here to listen to you.
4: I'm sorry, sir. I forgot to... The spell should be working. You don't need to cast it again. I just need to don't think at all about why. About what happened. Just... Some of my thoughts are under seal of a greater power of hell. This fact is itself secret and must be kept as tightly restricted as possible.
5: Ah, uh, he says. And there are other people around. Shit. Now he's going to have to let the crown know the answer to did Asmodia come back with superpowers is, I can't tell you. That'll be fun. You know, if hell can teach people to stop thinking thoughts in a day, I'm surprised we don't send more people there for a day. Or maybe you take particularly well to instruction. Standard screening. Then I'll show you to your room. And he asks questions and pretends to be reading the answers out of a mind he in fact cannot read. Hopefully Asmodea will catch on. It'll be evident to her that they aren't alone.
4: Asmodia is, yes, glancing around at the locations of the visible illusion magic screening the invisible people wondering what they're all doing there. If anybody was wondering whether it's true that Project Lawful Girls have arcane sight, they clearly do. She'll answer the screening questions honestly and out loud, because abarco is still a lot a little scary, and she doesn't want to give him any excuse to hurt her when he checks her answers later, probably under zone of truth. Yes, she's fit for duty. A recovery period would be appreciated, but she can serve immediately if necessary. Some of her thoughts are readable, and those seem to indicate honesty. One of the standard questions is whether Hell sent her back with any messages. I have a message for Carissa Sivar from Ahuvir Dulzamaud, my former owner, but, uh, it's probably moot now. Asmodia answers. Ahuvir Dulzamaud was destroyed, maybe about two hours ago if time was running at the same rate.
5: I see, says Elias. I suppose pass it on to her anyway and let her be the judge of that. Also, what? But he's not going to ask in front of an audience. No further questions. You can stand up and I'll show you to your room.
4: I'm not sure he didn't get destroyed for trying to pester Carissa Sevar with an offer. Either it was that or he'd ask me too many questions about the project. Asmodea volunteers, as she follows Elias out.
5: Then he will drag her into the next room, close the door behind her, and start flicking bits of skin off her neck with the tip of his knife. Why did you say that?
2: Project Lawful Girls aren't very phased by hell, rumor added. Project Lawful Girls have to make a special effort to allow their minds to actually be read, rumor added. Project Lawful Girls have arcane sight, rumor confirmed. All devils in hell know Carissa Sivar by name, rumor confirmed. Asking too much about Project Lawful and or pestering Carissa Sivar with offers is an execution offense in hell. Rumor added.
4: Because you would blame me and hurt me if you pestered Sivar and got hurt for it and I hadn't warned you? Asmodia says blankly, not feeling nearly as relatively hurt or scared about the knife as she would have a couple of days ago, but worried that things are about to become actually bad.
5: Then the knife can go a bit deeper. People vary in how deep the knife needs to go to bother them properly. All right, you piece of shit, let's be clear about a couple of things. First thing, if you have a secret, the fact of which also needs to be secret, you can communicate that by messaging that you need to be alone, or by asking to go to the temple for your debrief, or by saying, debrief may cover highly classified materials, ask the project head if you're the person to do it, or by exercising literally any initiative whatsoever. I'm not going to rip you apart for that because I didn't expect any better, but that's how it's done, among people who aren't catastrophically stupid. Second, if you have a secret, the fact of which also need to be secret, you don't just randomly volunteer potentially relevant information to a large group of strangers for no reason. I'm going to guess wildly, with only my intelligence, which is apparently at least double yours, that your devil dying might have had something to do with this very secret secret, which they are destroying people. In hell, to protect. If a secret is important enough to destroy devils over, it's probably important enough to say in a whisper, or in a message, or by passing a note, or by waiting until we got out of the room, because I was very evidently avoiding doing a real debrief until we got out of the room. Instead of any of those things, you opened your stupid fucking mouth, you worthless fucking idiot. I did actually expect you to be slightly less stupid than that, because you somehow survived to adulthood, and I repent of my error.
4: Asmodia is frightened because a barco is scary, but it is not her first time being frightened in Chelyax, and for the first time in her whole life, she knows that there is a way out, at least for one hundred years, if things get bad enough. None of that was relevant to the secret, Asmodea says, keeping her voice as controlled as she can. If it was, I'd have lied and not volunteered information.
5: Don't volunteer information. I don't care if you think it's relevant to the secret or not. Simply keep your stupid mouth shut when not asked a direct question in private by someone authorized to know the answer. Who in Chelyax, is authorized to read your mind at this time?
4: That shouldn't be spoken aloud. Read my mind, sir. I'll try to put out thoughts you can see. My sealed thoughts can't be read, period. Gorthaclec authorized to know that seal exists. No mortals to know there is anything unusual about me. If possible, everything should look normal.
5: The crown wants to know if you have superpowers. Do you have superpowers?
4: Just the seal, if that counts. And the crown is not authorized to know, except Gorthaclec. Wait, why ask that? Why do they want to know if she has superpowers? What? As the above thought is not about Erakura's gardens, it's also readable.
5: You don't need to know. Elias says, and then starts off on the unpleasant task of doing the debrief for real, and then the even more unpleasant task of asking Gorthoclec what answer he should give the Queen about the superpowers question.
4: Asmodea's answers all match the answers she gave before.
5: Gorthoclec has no idea what this is about, but is uncurious since he is not supposed to be curious. If it's under seal, then whatever is under that seal and the seal itself are things you pretend don't exist if you are a mortal unfortunate enough to know about them. If Asmodea has no superpowers not under the seal, then the answer the crown gets is no. Obviously. Gorthoklek doesn't add that it was a stupid question. Mortals are stupid.
1: It is shortly after all this that Carissa knocks on the door of the room Asmodia shares with Pilar. Hi! Fuck. I mean, what can I do for you? Is Asmodea here? Pallas gave her the room to the right of mine. Pilar reports concisely and professionally like a sane person. Looked distracted more than traumatized. Just sort of nodded at me and went in. Didn't need cake. Er uh, Wait. Is she wearing Keltham's shirt? Good for her. Thurs does not call for a party. Good she caught it that time. Mmm. She knocks on the correct door this time. Modia opens her door. Shit.
4: I have a useless message for you from a devil who's dead now. Do you want that at all? Asmodia says, trying to control the sudden hammering of her heart. She just got to this nice private room. Could she not have had three consecutive minutes to
1: herself before this? Well, that must have been an interesting day. I'll pass if the message might cause me to also end up dead. How was hell? That was not
4: the response Asmodia was expecting at all. Copying spell
1: diagrams
4: had a bad time at first, even though it was very light torment for hell. Asmodia replies. She fails to remember why Savar might be asking her that, namely to see if she's more motivated now to cut deals. Asmodia's thoughts are too occupied with neither revealing the secret nor outright lying to Carissa Saver. I thought maybe the devil was destroyed for having the temerity to try to pester you is that not a thing that was true? Oh, she's wearing Keltham's shirt. Well, apparently Keltham
1: is still considered worthy of her. What? Maybe he was, but not by me. I was busy. Also, there's something sickening at the thought of killing a devil. If you do that, they're gone. It's not like killing a person. Project restarts tomorrow. Are you ready? Am I right that hell's punishments don't damage people the way Chelyaxes do? I expect so,
4: Asmodia says levelly. She keeps wishing she could be back in the gardens. After having her neck carved up and being scared a few times, it is hard to remember the thought that led her to consent to being resurrected. Well, it's not as if Asmodia couldn't go back, just that she shouldn't. She is choosing not to for now, but it is her choice. I am mostly recovered from how bad the early parts were, I think. Were the later parts more useful? Shit, shit, shit that's directly about the secret thing. Is it time to just lie? Wait, does Sevar know? Useful. Can you be specific? Copying spell
1: diagrams is useful to hell. Useful to you for getting better at thinking, which is the thing I want from you.
4: Yes, in this very rare case, Asmodia now knows something is true that needs to be true for her to be whole, and that's probably going to help her think better. Why is Seaver asking that? Does she know? Is she trying to figure out whether Asmodia received a gift she sent? When I got to hell, Asmodia replies, trying to keep her voice neutral. One of the first things my then owner said was that. Since they'd probably raise me, there wouldn't be time to do any training. I was set to copying spell diagrams instead, as quickly as possible, with painful potions to drink if I lost focus or fell behind. I imagine, if they wanted me to be better at thinking, they should have given me time to think, or maybe told me something surprising and worth
1: thinking about. But how likely would that be in hell? Carissa doesn't know what to make of that. Or she can sort of think of something, but it's... I'll see you tomorrow then, she says and lets the door swing closed and stares at it for a little while. What if we're doing this wrong? Not hell, hell isn't doing this wrong, but what if Chelyax in its effort to imitate hell is? What if they're as far off as Modius's vision as Osirion is off Abadar's? Because the latter is easy to see from the outside. Easy to see how the prejudices of the people who started the project shaped what they were capable of understanding when their god said it. She walks back towards the temple. The worst-case scenario, unless she offends the queen, is just that she'll be tortured a lot, and that doesn't seem as helpful as it's supposed to be, but it also doesn't exactly damage her. It can't even get her lack of feelings about Keltham to stick. Did she screw that up somehow? Was Sivar the one who
4: saved her and she gave the wrong responses, somehow? And now at the end of one hundred years, she'll... Asmodia takes some deep breaths. Sivar doesn't talk like a power of hell. Asmodia has some idea about that, now that she's met one. She acted more like... She maybe doesn't know why her contract devil would think she's more interesting than anything else in Keltham's project. Asmodea is not sure what to do about this, but... For now, nobody is hurting her, and she has a refugee to run to if she truly needs it. And in Golarion a nice room. Wait. She's been assigned a personal private room of her very own in the Imperial Palace, even with Pilar right next door, and her own room is obviously large enough for four people if they share the bed. And when she came back, the whole room was full of invisible people. And there was a message from the Crown asking if she had any superpowers. She should probably have focused a bit more on that part. It seems possibly important. I have no idea what's going on right now, Asmodia says out loud. I don't suppose anybody in security is there and listening and would like to hear my report about a whole lot of people acting very strange. There's no answer. Very few people in palace security are authorized to spy on Project Lawful Girls.
2: People continue to treat Savar with wary deference as she passes by. It's probably the shirt. Anyone would show wary deference to somebody sexily wearing a shirt as strange and wondrous as Keltham's.
1: She'll order dinner, and watch Myall's desk waiting for the contract copy to arrive. And think. Asmodia does seem better off. There's evidently infinite subtext there she's not getting, but that's promising, and a path away from the most dangerous category of thoughts. Hell is good for people. It's just Chelyax that is imperfect at being good for people. Is she being a heretic? The answer to that is almost always yes, if you're thinking original thoughts, but she doesn't think she's motivated by an un impulse in fretting about people breaking her game pieces that she is in the middle of using for an important project
0: if you wish to support this ai reading and others like it please visit patreon.com slash ask who casts ai any help is appreciated and
5: thank you to executive producer john doe seven 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 six zero five nine